Hey, Goal Achievers. Welcome to the Elite Achievement Community. I'm Kristen Burke, your host and coach, here to demystify the goal achievement process. If you are ambitious and visionary, then let's get to work so you can maximize your potential. Hey, Goal Achievers. Welcome back to Elite Achievement. Today, we are celebrating Elite Achievement's one-year anniversary. It's hard to believe that this podcast was a goal I wrote down during my 2020 planning. And thanks to the help of my production team at Podcast Town and growing a heck of a lot of courage, we released four episodes on August 26, 2020. Setting a clear goal is part of the achievement process, but your work is just beginning once that goal is set. I realized last year during my monthly goal reviews that I wasn't making a lot of progress towards my goal of launching a podcast because of limiting beliefs. One of my initial limiting beliefs was that there are so many podcasts out there, why should I even bother to start one? Thankfully, I heard that even though something has been done before, it's important to remember that it hasn't been done by you yet. We all have unique experiences and perspectives that shape our opinions and thoughts. I borrowed this insight to silence my limiting belief and instead chose to listen to my desire to make an impact. Another limiting belief that crossed my mind was, what if no one listens? I realized that if I actually let this belief guide me, I will create the very situation that I am afraid of. No one will listen to a podcast that I never started. I am incredibly grateful I started the podcast, but more importantly, I'm incredibly grateful for Elite Achievements listeners, subscribers, and those that felt inspired to leave a review. To celebrate this one-year milestone, I am highlighting the top three most downloaded episodes. It's been said that three is a party, so I'm excited that I get to celebrate today by highlighting two episodes with incredibly ambitious women who are achieving their goals. The third most downloaded episode was episode 18, Ambition and Relationships with Shannon Wiley. Shannon is the chief recruiting officer with a top-ranked financial services firm in Atlanta, Georgia, and is someone I've respected and admired professionally for a long time. What started as a professional relationship has grown into a great friendship, and I couldn't be prouder of where Shannon is today. I don't want to give too much away before you listen to the highlights from our episode, but it's incredible to note that in a week, Shannon will be taking the next steps towards her vision when she is appointed a managing director. Listen in as we discuss the characteristics rock stars tend to demonstrate and how to find a sponsor. As you work and have grown your career, how much do you think about being a woman in a male-dominated industry? Is that something you think of regularly or has it become your normal? So I've been in this industry for 16 years, right off the college campus. So I really don't know in the industry other than this. So one, yes, 
it is my normal. But two, I do think about it often because I really have a passion for helping women in Northwestern Mutual. So I may not see it clearly every day. I know it is definitely a male-dominated industry. And so I think, yeah, there is a gender difference. But I also think there's characteristics that lie inside of it. And maybe sometimes over time, I start to see the characteristics that make people just absolute stellar rock stars in the company. And it's not tagged to just being a woman or just being a man. It's really just the characteristics and qualities that they've accomplished over time. What I'm hearing you say is it really boils down to certain characteristics that lead to success or rock star status. With 16 years of experience, what are some of those characteristics that you've seen really successful rock star professionals have? And then how do you think we can grow those characteristics? You know, being able to actually verbalize those characteristics is so important. And I just read a great book called How Women Rise. That's phenomenal. I encourage everyone to go read it. It doesn't matter if you're a male or a female because a male encouraged me to read it because he had read it and he thought of me so much. And the first habit inside of that book is women often don't take credit for the work that they do. And I mean, really, you can close the book at that point, right? Because I think when we talk about characteristics, so it's not that men and women don't have equal opportunities to achieve and excel. It's just how men and women filter and learn things differently. Also, there is a habit in there. They don't talk about what they want to do, where they want to go. So in law firms, men come in right out of law school and they were always talking about the partner track. Well, there's a partner track in my company as well. And it's taken me a long time to publicly say, I want to make partner one day. And so you read that book and sometimes you read books and think, man, was this book written for me? Every woman that has read it has told me the same thing. So I think those are the two biggest pieces for women and the characteristics is taking credit for the work that you've done. Women are so gifted at giving the credit to everyone else and serving themselves last. And telling everyone what they want to be and where they want to go from day one out of the gate. I am so excited for you to go public and say you want to make partner and I will be cheering you on all along the way. You mentioned how women often don't vocalize where it is that they want to go. And in my work, about 75% of my current clients are women. And one of the things that I have found, Shannon, is that women in general, not all women, but in general, really struggle with drafting a vision. And I am so passionate about helping women grow the confidence or the courage or break through the fear of failure or fear of success to write that vision. Tell us a little bit about your vision, where you're wanting to go, and how you've gotten there. Wow. You know, When I first started working on my vision, which was in 2020, and when I went to my managing partner, who I adore and think the world of, to work on my vision, and I said, I kind of feel like it's a blank slate right now because I've never written one in 16 years in my career. 
And he said, that doesn't surprise me. And I said, tell me more of what you mean. And it wasn't that I didn't have a vision. It's just that my vision was so big and there were so many details that I think we're afraid to put pen to paper or type it however you want to do it because we're so afraid to put ourselves out there because it's the what if it doesn't happen or come to reality. So we're trying to connect today to the future with a vision. And actually, Kristen, you helped me a lot with my vision. You were in California. I was in Georgia. I was on a power walk. You were giving me a talk around vision. And you made me go set a timer for 40 five minutes. And I thought, Oh my gosh, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. But it was lovely. It was the fall. I sat outside and I set this timer and I worked for 45 minutes. And it was the most amazing freeing thing to get everything out on paper to really get started. And I can still hear you saying in my head, it's just a draft. It's just a draft. It doesn't have to be final. It's not getting published anywhere. No one has to see it today. Just start working on it. And it's evolved so much this year. It takes a lot of courage to share it with people. We were in annual planning today in my firm and I was actually coaching people in my firm around their goals for 2021. And they said, Hey, we want to see your vision. And I thought, wow, I'm glad I have one. And I'm nervous to let you see it because it's pretty raw and detailed. And What started out as challenging to write for 45 minutes is now a five-page single-space type document. (laughs) You've got yourself a novel. We know where you are going. We know where we're going. We know where we're celebrating. We're going to be in Sydney, Australia. Shannon's vision clarity helped her communicate with her leader where she wanted to go professionally. In the interview, she describes the relationship she built with her managing partner and how he elevates encourages and challenges her to grow so she can achieve her professional goals. This led us to discussing the significant role sponsors play in career development. The difference between a sponsor and a mentor, that was a very helpful concept in my own career growth. And that sponsor really being that person that helps get you into the groups or the next level development programs that you need to be a part of for all of our listeners who do have big careers and big ambitions, go out and find yourself a sponsor. And so do you have any insight if someone is sitting here listening? Yes, Shannon, I need a sponsor. How can they find a sponsor? I think you have to have a lot of relationships to know who your sponsor is. And I'd start with making a list of what would a sponsor do for you if you had a sponsor. And then I'd start going to look for one and being very clear when you're talking to people what you want in a sponsor. Because Kristen, what you want may look very differently than what I want. But I was really clear when I started partnering with Juan what I wanted to be. I wanted to be the chief recruiting officer. I wanted to be in the women's leadership program. I want to become a managing director and eventually a partner. But those are really big bullet points and career dreams. And we've got to fill in everything in between in there. But that sponsor gets you in the right places at the right times. And it may not be your direct boss. So also too, don't miss the amazing sponsors that could be out there that could be running right beside you. I think, Kristen, you're one of my greatest sponsors, right? So if you think of it, 
someone who's your cheerleader, who promotes you, who loves on you too, and isn't just your pal and colleague riding right alongside you. So your sponsors can be someone your age. They can be younger than you. They could just be in a position that they're really well-networked in your company. And I mean, every chance I get, I'm saying, get Kristen Burke on the docket here, right? Like she's the best thing we've got going. And every company needs to be hiring her to work around achievement coaching. I'm not anyone special, but I'm sponsoring you in that way. So I think you can find sponsors in so many different ways. And hey, if you want to chat with me and let's talk about sponsorship and where you may find sponsorship in your life, let's talk about it. The four characteristics of goal achievers, clarity, confidence, courage, and consistency are present throughout Shannon's story. She did the work to get clear on what she wanted, started to confidently own her results, had courageous conversations with her mentors and leadership team, and is consistently taking action to progress in the direction of her vision. The second most downloaded episode, episode number 10, Step by Step, features another ambitious woman, Shayla Ackerman. As the first international guest, Shayla is taking the Canadian real estate market by storm. She built an award-winning real estate career, placing her in the top 2% of agents in her brokerage, all in under a decade. Outside of business, Shayla is a mama to three kids, a loving wife, and runs a popular lifestyle Instagram page. Listen to this episode to hear Shayla's incredible insight into mindset, goal setting, and building an amazing career. How have you become so successful? Help us understand that journey. It's actually really hard to hear that. I'm not someone who listens to that lightly. It's been a journey and it's not always been an easy one. There's parts that are a huge, huge struggle and caused a lot of stress in my life to get where I am. But then there's other sides of the industry that I feel came very easy. And so the journey to get where I am has been year by year, figuring out what I'm focusing on. And then collectively, I've ended up at this eight-year incredible career that I've created. But it's been little by little, taking it year by year, step by step, to come where I am. Well, you mentioned overcoming various struggles. And I know that we all encounter struggles on our goal achievement journeys. How have you personally overcome some of those struggles? I think a lot of it was focused on my mindset. My mind was holding me back. My mind was almost tricking me into believing or doubting myself. When I first got in, I was considered to be quite young one of the youngest in the city. I also was female. Now, I don't know if that was something within my mind that I was up against or if that actually was a real thing. So as time went on, I realized that I needed to make sure that it wasn't me holding myself back. I wanted to make sure that I overcame those insecurities that I had. I wanted to make sure that I could basically create my own future without those beliefs limiting me. And figuring out how to do it wasn't easy. I still don't think I figured it out 
as much as I would like to. But moving forward, I try to sit back and question myself where these thoughts are coming from. Are they things that are being said to me? Are they things that I'm seeing online? Are they things that I'm creating in my mind? And every once in a while, I feel like there's an answer in each of those categories. Have you implemented any practices or routines that help you keep your mindset super strong? Thinking back to it when I first got into the industry, the problem with real estate is there's no road and everybody has their own journey. So everybody does it different. Essentially, you get your license and then you're thrown out there to figure it out. And that's why when you look at a real estate agent or you look at a brokerage, everybody can be so different. We really do have that flexibility to advertise who we are, create who we want to be, and then mold our career to how we see fit. And so when I first got in, I did things that, again, I think this was my mind limiting me. I was worried that being young was my disadvantage. So I would go out and I would make sure that I dressed older or I made sure that I always looked professional. When I first got into the industry, you wouldn't catch me dead walking outside the house unless I was in a suit. And to me, that showed professionalism experience. It was sort of a false image I felt I was creating, but it also brought me confidence. I worried that being a female in the industry and having very limited knowledge about construction and houses and those sorts of things. I mean, I had only bought my first house four years earlier. I bought my first house at 21. I worried that people would question my education and my knowledge. And so I over-educated myself and I would spend hours and hours on things like YouTube, Google, listening to podcasts back when they did become a thing and trying to make sure that if anybody ever asked me a question, I hopefully could offer the answer, but I would never shy away from it if I didn't know. I would admit, I don't know that. Let me find out for you. So those are parts of what I told myself I needed to form to be back then. As time went on and I continued to grow and educate myself because I'm always taking new education. I'm always signing up for new courses, whether they are real estate specific or things like Photoshop. I was attending a class through the university so that I could work on my marketing at home because that was a love and a passion that was also going to expand me in my real estate career. So as I advanced in my career, I felt so much more comfortable. And to be honest, I felt like a lot of those strategies came a bit more natural. The more I worked with people, the more I felt comfortable. The more I learned, the more I could answer those questions without getting nervous. I'm no longer the young one in the industry. There's many beautiful women who are younger in my city and I love seeing that. That actually really makes me happy seeing these young women taking that risk and getting into an industry that once upon a time was male dominant. And once upon a time, they would laugh at the young people getting in. It's no longer like that. It's quite competitive, but also inviting in our city. Can you talk about some of the support you had as you were rising up in your real estate career and how that support either helped or if there was a lack of support hindered your success? So you'll laugh at this. My husband is a real estate agent. And yet when I got into the industry, he basically said sink or swim. He was not going to help me. And now looking back at the time, I think I was probably very hurt by that. 
I was thinking that this, this person that I had so many amazing connections with should be there to advance and help me and help me build because it was also going to benefit him, but he didn't. And I now look back and understand that decision. That decision was because we were new in our relationship. We were now all of a sudden raising three children. We were renovating our house that we live in. There were all of these sorts of things that were going on. And in his mind, he felt that intermingling literally every point and section of our life probably wouldn't be good. Further to that, he had been in the industry for a long period of time. So he had created bad habits. He had also created good ones, but he had bad ones and he didn't want to pass those on to me. So where a lot of people would think I had that immediate support and a world of education right within my own home, I didn't. The best part to it was I made friends very quickly. And I, again, never shied away from asking questions. So I had a handful of gentlemen, they were men, that I connected well with. They worked within my brokerage where I started. And I would just call them and say, hey, I'm struggling with this. Do you mind me picking your brain? And you would not believe how many people were there to say, absolutely. Should we go for coffee? Do you want to do it over the phone? Hey, I'm in an appointment right now, but I'll call you back tonight. So I did lean on others in my industry, in my city. I picked a select few that I knew would be there to help me. Past that, I found support within my friend group. I have a solid group of girlfriends. They've been in my life basically like one of them since I was born. (laughs) My sister didn't have a choice. They were always there to support me. Although they might not have known exactly what I was dealing with, they were there to offer support in general. And that's incredibly important, I think. How do you think you have been able to go from being a young woman in a male-dominated industry to being the confident, fierce leader that you are today? I think a big part of it is realizing that you have to adapt. Something that works for you originally might not work a year later or two years later. You always have to be reinventing. And that also goes with as we grow and we become more confident, what made me happy when I started might not make me happy today. And so really just adapting is, I think, the main answer to that question. Well, and that connects with what we spoke about at the start of our conversation with mindset and how it really is a journey. And I think that personal growth and development and achieving goals is all about a journey. It's not like one day we wake up and we're all of a sudden perfectly confident or perfectly on pace or perfectly where we want to be. So as long as we are making steps in the direction of the vision that we have for ourselves and our lives, we can adapt and change and ebb and flow along the way. Yeah, I completely agree. I think another thing too is making sure that you're aware of how you're feeling. And then one of the things, and this is kind of off topic, but one of the things I've learned that has helped me a lot moving forward and this is more of a 2020 thing, is writing things down. So I've always tracked my goals. That's been since I got in. We started doing that right at the very beginning. But then it got into the idea of, okay, I have a goal. How am I going to get there? And so that expanded into, here's my 12-month year-end goal. And I would always write down the number. Well, how am I going to get there? So we would look at the months and basically figure out, 
my busiest months in real estate are from April until September. My goal sales through that period at a higher expectation than the months that are slow. Really figuring out what my goal was and how I was going to get there has driven to my success. I can at any point in the year pull up my wonderful spreadsheet and figure out, am I on track? If I am, that's awesome, but don't slow down. If I'm not, what do I have to change to catch back up to where I need to be? Instead of when I first got in, my goal was at the end of the spreadsheet. And if I got there, I got there. And if I didn't, I didn't. I'd look at it once a year. That lasted one year. And then I went into creating more obtainable and trackable goals. How can you not be fired up after hearing Shayla emphasize the value of tracking goals? Her story highlights the importance of believing in yourself and finding a way to succeed despite obstacles that are against you or obstacles you perceive to be against you. Shayla realized her mindset was holding her back at the start of her career and she chose to do something about it. She offered three questions that we can all use to better understand why we are thinking what we are thinking. Number one, are they things that are being said to me? Number two, are they things that I am seeing online? Number three, are they things that I'm creating in my own mind? These are powerful reflection questions we can all use to explore our own limiting beliefs. Now is the time to reveal the most downloaded episode in Elite Achievement's first year. And it also relates to mindset. Episode seven, Morning Routine, was the most downloaded episode, which I find somewhat surprising. I remember wanting to record an episode on morning routine because my routine has been instrumental to my growth. And I wanted to share my approach to a morning routine. But I find it surprising because I know I'm not the first coach to talk about the importance of a morning routine. I remember thinking before I recorded this episode that it's already been done. Why would anyone listen? So I'm surprised in the most positive way that this was the most downloaded episode. And once again, I am so grateful I did not follow my limiting belief. For those of you who haven't heard of a morning routine or aren't familiar with the concept, I describe a morning routine as a series of activities and practices performed regularly to set your day up for success. There are a lot of different activities that you can combine for a morning routine. But what's important is that you consistently have habits and rituals that you're doing on a daily basis that help you get your mind right. One of the main benefits of a morning routine is that it helps you achieve what American psychologist Carol Dweck calls a growth mindset. In her work, she studied a growth mindset and a fixed mindset, and individuals with a growth mindset have the ability to overcome adversity. They're able to bounce back. They are more in control of their destinies and their goals. Another benefit to a morning routine is that it creates a level of intentionality. We are all bombarded with so many 
emails, alerts on our cell phones and social media messages. There are so many distractions in our world today. So having this morning routine creates a sense of peace and intentionality. It gives you a chance to start your day the way that you want to start your day versus starting your day in a reactive manner. I want to share with you my morning routine because I am a huge fan of examples. I find it so much easier to execute if I have an example to follow. So I'm hoping that you get some ideas or some inspiration for your own morning routine by listening to me share mine. But I also think it's important to realize that a morning routine is highly personal. So if you listen to this episode and then go out and try to recreate my exact morning routine, you might not get the same results or the same feelings of satisfaction that I do because I have built my morning routine up over the years. I've included very intentional practices in my morning routine to align with items that are on my development journey. So I encourage you to think about your goals and think about your development plan as you start designing your own morning routine. I also want to make note as I describe the seven steps that are part of my morning routine, it hasn't always been seven steps. This routine has evolved from when I got really serious about a morning routine last year, as I mentioned. And it's also evolved throughout the year as I've been practicing my morning routine. So if you're listening to this and you think this feels very overwhelming, I want to remind you it didn't start with all of these activities or all of these practices. Step one in my morning routine is I read my short-term vision statement. Every quarter, I write a new short-term vision statement. And in this vision statement, I include my goals. I include the beliefs that I need to have to achieve these goals, the habits I need to build, the activities I need to execute on to put me in a position for goal achievement. I also describe in this vision statement the type of person I want to be, the kind of wife I want to be for my husband, the kind of mother I want to be for my daughter. I'll include fitness goals and focuses on my well-being. I'll also throw into each vision statement a couple of motivational quotes or motivational sayings that I've read in books or heard in podcasts. And every morning I read this statement over the course of a quarter. Reading this statement stops me from thinking all the negative things first thing in the morning. It stops me from thinking about all the things I have to do that I might not want to do. And it reminds me of what I'm building and who I want to become. The other thing I love about reading this statement first thing in the morning is that it helps me feel energy. As I reflect on some of my past vision statements, I've included Things such as, I am confident, I am vulnerable, I am fierce. I think that constantly reading, I am confident over and over every day has helped me build confidence. It's helped me build the courage to continue to jump on this microphone and produce content that I hope is impactful for you and your growth and development journey. 
One of my favorite lines from a past vision statement is, I told fear to F off. I know that's a little abrupt for some of my listeners, but I needed that message on a daily basis as I thought about launching my own business. I needed to remind myself that fear was going to be present and that I needed to persevere and push through that fear regardless of how I felt. So I love starting my day by reading this vision statement. And it's so helpful from a mindset perspective. Second part of my morning routine is a workout. I absolutely love working out. And if I'm being honest, I have been a morning workout person for years. In my opinion, there's no better way to start your day than getting a workout in. It pumps up my energy. It clears my mind. I get some of my best ideas during my workouts. I have found that as disciplined as I am with working out, I still have a greater success rate of following through if I lay my clothes out the night before. And then I also plan out what kind of workout I'm going to do. If I'm going for a run, I think about my running route. I pick my playlist. If I'm doing a yoga routine, I think about, am I doing a sculpt or am I doing a flow? I plan it out the night before. So I'm removing all of these decisions when it comes to the morning. The third element of my morning routine is new this year, and it's meditation. And I'm going to be honest, I am still working on building the habit of meditating consistently. This is the element of the morning routine that is the most unnatural for me. I walk fast, I talk fast, I think fast. And so forcing myself to sit down, slow down, and focus on my breath is really challenging. And that's exactly why I'm so passionate about becoming consistent with meditation. For me, meditating is about being more present, staying in the now. I tend to overthink and think about the future. I tend to think about the past and ruminate. And I really want to be more present so I can be a great coach for my clients and an awesome mama for my little girl and a really focused and present wife for my husband. I also want to be more present so I enjoy life. So I'm working on meditating. And one of the things that's helping me tremendously is I'm tracking the days that I meditate. I got this idea when I completed the Yale course on happiness during quarantine. And this course was offered for free through a platform called Coursera. It was awesome. I learned a ton about happiness and one of our assignments was to engage in a happiness behavior. The teacher created a little tracking. So I printed the tracking off. I hung the tracking on my refrigerator and I had my daughter color in the dots every time I meditated. My frequency increased dramatically. When we moved, I threw the tracking away and I never created a new one and I found that my consistency with meditation dropped off. So once again, I am back to tracking and I think that's a really helpful way to build up a new habit. The fourth practice of my morning routine is to journal gratitude. I've started journaling gratitude because someone sent me a gratitude journal and last October, I committed to journaling gratitude for 90 days and I am absolutely loving this focus on appreciation. It's interesting because if you simply Google the benefits of practicing gratitude, you'll find that there are a lot of health benefits. 
It helps reduce stress. You have the ability to appreciate the positives in negative situations. And there are some days where I'm writing in my gratitude journal that I am thankful and grateful for a cup of coffee, especially right now with all the pumpkin flavored coffee. And then there are other days where I am detailing these incredibly impactful client situations. And so I think one of the things that's helped me with gratitude is not worrying if what I'm grateful for is too big or too small. I'm building this habit of noticing the everyday things in my life and of course, the big monumental things in my life and making note of what I'm thankful for. The fifth practice is another practice that I learned from Rachel Hollis. And I call it 10-10-1. I'm sure she has a different name for this practice, but you can hear all about what I call 10-10-1 in her podcast, Rise Podcast, episode 72. But the basis of her daily practice is she has a 10-year vision And from that 10-year vision, she outlines 10 dreams and one goal and writes them down every day. So I started doing this last October as part of that 90-day challenge and started listing out 10 dreams and one goal. And of course, over the course of a year, those goals have changed as I've achieved them and some of the dreams have evolved. But it's incredible when I write number five on my list, which is I host a top-rated weekly podcast. And I know right now, Elite Achievement is not coming out weekly, but I'm on my way. And I don't know if I would be here if I wasn't doing this practice every day and writing it down. Somehow the universe is aligning to put me in the right situations or give me the right ideas or the right level of courage to start moving in the direction of these dreams. So if you're curious to learn more, you can listen to Rachel's podcast. Again, it's Rise Episode 72. It's an incredible journal exercise. It keeps you connected to the bigger picture vision, keeps you focused on that one goal that's going to help you start getting closer to those dreams. Number six is I read a book called The Daily Reader by John Maxwell. And what I love about this book is every day there is one simple page packed full of leadership lessons that I can read. So it feels good to be working on my own personal growth and development, even if it's one page that I'm reading. Now, one of the things that's interesting is I cleared off my desk last week for cleaning And I put this book in a drawer. I noticed as I was prepping for recording this episode, I haven't been reading my daily reader this week. So it's such a powerful reminder that having your book on your desk in front of you is going to wildly increase your ability to follow through. It's like that saying, out of sight, out of mind. So that's a follow-through strategy. If you want to build better habits, Are the things that you want to engage in visual? Are they right in front of you? Are you setting your environment up for success? And then the final element of my morning routine is to read for 10 minutes per day. I always have a reading goal every year. I love reading growth and development books. I love reading books that are focused on helping women get ahead professionally and advancing their careers. And right now I'm reading the book Atomic Habits. It's awesome. If you haven't read it yet, I highly, highly recommend it. But I started to notice that I'm pretty sleepy if I'm trying to read before I go to bed at night. And so I thought, 
well, let me add reading to my morning routine so I can power through more books in a year. Now, you might be wondering, that's a lot of stuff you're trying to get done in the morning, Kristen. How long does that actually take you? And depending on the length of my workout, engaging in my all-in morning routine, steps one through seven, it'll take about 90 minutes. And I'm not doing my all-in morning routine seven days a week. Spoiler alert, I typically engage in my all-in routine three days a week. I find that one of the weekend days is a really great day to do it. I have a bit more free time naturally on the weekends. But I've learned for me to be consistent and to really appreciate the benefits of this routine. I needed a little bit more flexibility on days when I have early client meetings or some flexibility when mornings don't go as planned. So on the days where I'm choosing not to engage in my all-in morning routine, I'll do a mini routine. I've given myself a little bit of grace and a little bit of flexibility to engage in a mini where I'm pulling together three or four of the steps and helping set my day up for success. You just heard a description of last year's all-in morning routine. Almost a year later, I'm still engaging in several of those practices. I continue to start my day by reading my quarterly short-term vision statement, but have changed up the order of some of my practices after realizing I was checking the box on my morning routine. Now, after reading my vision statement, I love grabbing a cup of coffee and sitting on my couch to reflect in my gratitude journal. I've started reading the Bible to better understand and gain some clarity around my faith. And I like to read before I work out because I found if I was doing it afterwards, I was more prone to skipping reading in the morning. I just finished the book, Go Big Now, and it is an awesome read for anyone who wants to work on his or her mindset. After reflecting and reading, I work out and occasionally meditate. Hey, I'm still growing and working on that habit myself. I had a huge aha this past month and realized during my July month end goal review that I needed to go back to tracking my morning routine. I wasn't as consistent as I desired to be with my morning routine. Part of the reason was a family vacation where I focused on sleeping in and having fun and relaxing. But honestly, I have found myself saying, I don't have time or I'm so busy. And I know this is a goal achievement roadblock. The result of my morning routine inconsistency was negative self-talk, doubt, and pulling back on taking massive action towards my business goals. When these things start happening, it is tempting to ditch our morning routine. And that proved to be such a mistake for me. It's actually my morning routine that keeps my mindset strong and helps me quickly bounce back from disappointment and adversity. I hope you enjoyed reflecting with me over this past year. It has been an incredible journey starting and hosting a podcast. I didn't get the chance to feature all of the guests from last year, but I want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for showing up and sharing your story and sharing your insights with the Goal Achievement community. 
I look forward to continuing to grow as a host and to interviewing more rock stars, goal achievers, ambitious women, and business leaders in the near future. If you want to know more about the reasons why I started this podcast and the additional lessons I've learned along the way, head over to my website, kristenburke.com, and read the Elite Achievement Anniversary blog post. And while you are on my website, sign up to receive my breakout plan, which will help you plan and prioritize to achieve your goals. With that goal, achievers, keep tracking your weekly wins, noting your lessons learned, and identifying your priorities so you can achieve your most meaningful goals. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you are feeling inspired and want to join the Goal Achievers community, visit my website to sign up and get connected. We can also connect socially on Instagram. Follow me at Meet Kristen Burke. Links are in the show notes. Don't forget to rate, review, and share this show. Until next time, Goal Achievers, keep progressing towards your goals and celebrate those weekly wins. 